All right, today is January 12th, January 12th, 2021. <laughs> we have, we have successfully made it into the, into the other side. So this will be my first, first episode of the new year. First off, start off. Happy New Year. <laughs> How are you doing? Uh, this is going to be episode titled today, Positivity Wall Volume 2. Like I said, the goal was to give you my 20-episode uh, series of the Positivity Wall, just sayings that I use to get through very tough situations and, and mantras that I go by. And so um, that's, that's what's going to be on tap for today. And um, right now I'm taking you through, this is your thinking out loud. And um, <laughs> I, wanted to, I wanted to set you up for this new year and some of the stuff that I'm going to be doing while I'm at home, while I'm not employed. Um, like I said, I've been writing episodes, so I've, I've written quite a few of these Positivity Wall episodes. I wanted to try to write them all before I recorded them, but it's been too long. So it was time to record because I've, you know, I've, I've got a a nice amount of episodes that are written now. So it's like, it's, it's time to record them. And um, so if you see them on subsequent days, Hey, that's what that's about. <laughs> we're, we're here, we're here trying to create, I'm trying to create some really great things. And it's really not about um, if people love it, it's more about trying to create this art, trying to do things that are going to make me uh, feel really good and really drive me into the space that I want to be driven into. But real quick, um, today I wanted to, on this thinking out loud, I wanted to spend a little bit of time and talk about, you know, <laughs> last week as it went in the, in the Capitol uh, breach, uh, insurrection, sedition, all these beautiful words. I wanted to spend this time um, to really highlight some things from my perspective, from a black perspective, you know, a lot of the things that were going on is this comparison. And and there's probably an episode where I talk about comparison and, and I've talked about it before about comparison being the thief of joy. Comparing is, is dangerous. It really is. But as a black person, a lot of times we have to compare our experience because 60 million black people can have a variation of a story that all echoes the same premise or plot, but no one believes it. <laughs> and it, I think the saddest thing about the Capitol, um, the Capitol breach is after the, the protest in George Floyd and the summer that we had of last year, a lot, I think a lot of people woke up, but we're still at a point where people still aren't waking up. And this was like their final straw. It's like, um, I, I don't talk about the politics much, much because as a black person, we have had to move around politicians and politics because it doesn't really serve us the best. We're the last person at the table. So if they're cutting up slices of pie, we're getting the smallest and we're getting the last piece. And that's just how it goes. But when I think comparison, just knowing that these people were allowed to breach uh, the Capitol, they were allowed to run in there and possibly cause harm to uh, rank and file Congress men and women. It's just insane to me, knowing that as a black person, if I tried to get close to that building, I'd probably be killed. And I think about the woman back in, I believe it was 2013, 
who made a tried to make an illegal U-turn near the White House and was killed. She was a black woman. These are things to make America realize that the one thing I will say about uh, 45, I don't, I'm not saying any names. <laughs> this is my space. So is, is that he has shown America what America really is. A lot of people like to say he stokes the fires and, you know, he does gaslight. But I think he has shown us a true representation of what we are, that America is not this one united thing, that it is multifaceted in its things. And America is comfortable and comforted by when people do the work for others that they don't have to do for themselves. And they can take in privileges that other people don't get and won't get because they're fine with that. And I think that that is something that we need to all explore. We all need to really think hard about what we're doing because that didn't look pretty. And I wanted to to say that, you know, as an American, I, you know, we're, we're being laughed at by the world. It looks ridiculous. Um, that shouldn't have been allowed to happen. It's very easy to see cops on these videos, letting the people in, letting them breach the lines, and then it got out of control. So um, that wouldn't have happened if it was a Black Lives Matter protest happening. And the reason why I say that is it needs to be said um, because it's the truth. And the thing is, is these people want to throw Antifa and all these other things into it. And this thinking out loud, I didn't really want to get deep in politics, but the, my thing is, is this. We keep hearing these different groups. We keep hearing about religion and blah, 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 blah. People, you got to own up to what you are. If you live in this world and you're a white person or you're a person of color, because people of color, as a black person, I don't fit in that group. Because as a person of color, you would think I get the same liberties and protections that someone who was of a different ethnicity would, but at times I don't. When you look at the Civil Rights Act and what it did, it allowed Asians, it allowed people from that part of the world to immigrate, to come over and to enjoy and reap benefits that Black people never really did get to benefit from. And to this day, those people come into our communities, set up shop, build. I'm not going to knock them because it's being smart with your money. But it's time that Black people who continue to be our, you know, our culture is just dredged. We constantly get pulled apart. Everybody wants to emulate what we are, but they never want to wear the skin that we have. And we got to be better about that, America. Um, the, only, the only other thing that I want to leave with you on this thinking out loud is if you listen, a lot of people were talking about the 1812 war, and that was the last time that a capital had been breached. Let me give you just a little history, because America loves to whitewash history. America loves to, to leave out certain parts that are convenient, because that's what it does. 1898, Wilmington, North Carolina. Type it into Google, look it up, and then read the history around that event where there was a siege <laughs> and where there were people who were killed. This is not the first time this has happened. It wasn't 1812. 1898 is, your, is your, your last time. And they would like to, as I like to say, whitewash that from history. But I'm not going to give them that the opportunity, even though my reach is very small. Most people won't listen. But 1898, woman to North Carolina. A lot of people died that day. And it needs to be remembered because our Congress in America 
didn't recognize and apologize for that event until 2007. <laughs> this is what I mean. Until America can fix its birth defects, racism is part of it. Sexism is part of it. <laughs> and this and white supremacy became white supremacy, I should say, kind of became a, a maybe you could say it's another birth defect, but maybe it's the baby of it. America has to sit down and start having these conversations with, with black and brown people. And it has to start having conversations with white people because what has happened is the, the poor white man or poor white woman has been told that everything that they lose is because of uh, someone who's black or brown that is making more money than them. And that's just not how it goes. White supremacy must be eradicated before America can truly be whole, before it can be one America. And that's just, that's, that's today's thinking out loud. Yeah. <laughs> so we are, we are here for volume two of the positivity wall. And I want to set the stage for you on that. Really um, the, the title of this one would be pain is not your story. And the um, the mantra around that is pain doesn't define you. It's not yours to carry. Break from this place onward and upward is the only way um, to give you context. Um, pain is not your story. It's something that I have to remember from when I was going through a divorce <laughs> uh, with my ex-wife, it was a very critical season for me. I was very, very depressed. Um, I couldn't put enough varies on it to make you understand how sad that I was. And it was a very dark time for me, a time that I wasn't, I wasn't as proud with myself because I felt hopeless. I couldn't generate this place or this energy to get me through it. I had, I was at my wits end and I just felt like at times, um, the easiest way is just to disappear, to vanish. And I remember something my, um, my ex-wife's father said to me one day, cause he saw me and he had been watching me for some time. And one of the things he said is, you know, for someone who is working hard and, and trying to find their way, you tend to walk around with your head down, you know, your chins down, you, I can tell you're beaten. And he's like, why would you do that when you're a decent person? And I'm like, well, if I'm such a decent person, why am I losing all of this stuff? And and he's like, well, you know, that's, that's life sometimes. Sometimes you're going to lose. <laughs> doesn't mean you're a loser. You can lose and not be a loser. And that was so critical to me. And he, he looked at me and he said, I want you to know this, that you are not alone. You're just lonely. And pain is not your story. And that's kind of where it comes from, is to make you think that, hey, like, it was it was kicking me. It was kicking the living crap out of me. It was beating me down. I just felt like I could not win. And that every time I turned around, um, the person that I loved, that I wanted just to work this out with, I had to completely lost her. And it was very tough for me because I spent my life always trying to do the right thing, always um, sacrificing and always just, you know, just trying to be that person. And there was nothing I could do here. <laughs> like um, losing my job was, a, was enough for her to 
not trust in me. And and with that, because you know, I, I know how that can sound. And when I tell the story, I always have to preface it. Like, um, here was here was my wife that told me to make certain decisions, told me not to do certain things. Um, and then subsequently it led to me losing my job. Um she was trying to protect me. And because I did not, I wasn't the best husband listening in that manner. And it, 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 it was very costly. I lost not only my wife, my job, but I lost my family structure as I knew it. And that family structure was everything to me because to be able to tuck my son into bed every night, to see him off every day to school, it's something I still struggle with to this day. I've got a better grasp on it because I understand and I'm appreciative for what I have. Like, not a lot of fathers get to see their kids every week. I'm going to see my son every week of the year. So you learn to calibrate your mind. And that's kind of what this is about. Um, I was able to push through because I was able to put appreciation and being grateful at the forefront of the center of my universe. And I stopped living in pity and doubt and just anger because this was taken from me. We we tend to work very hard for things. And when people take them from us, we have adverse reactions. And that's, that's, that's what this is about. Um, pain not being my story was me basically saying to myself that, yeah, I, I lost. <laughs> I got knocked on my ass. But guess what? Get up. You dust yourself off. And you might get knocked on your ass again. You might get knocked down a few times. But you know what? Just because you got knocked down does not mean that you stay down. And I remember one of the best um, analogies I, I put to some of my friends who saw me years later, who saw me become successful again, was like, man, you really, it seemed like you were down. And I said, what it felt like was you fall off of a ladder <laughs> and you fall to the ground. And when you do that, there's no other way to go but up. <laughs> A lot of times when we're dealing with our friends and our family and they're making very bad decisions and you see them and you're like, stop digging your own ditch. Because that's that's what I always use when people make bad decisions. You have the power. You just got to put the shovel down. If you don't put the shovel down, you keep digging your own ditch until you no longer be able to see. You won't be level with the surface. Now you're going to be underground. <laughs> You're going to be digging your own grave. And that's what it comes down to. And I remember friends just going, man, I, I thought you were done. And I was like, no, I hit that ground and I would get up out of anger and put my foot on that first rung and fall back down. And I would get up out of hopelessness and put my foot on that rung, fall back down. I would put my foot on that rung and be like, I'm going to show them <laughs> and fall back down. It wasn't until I accepted that I had lost that as a human being, I failed and that it was okay to fail. It was okay to lose and that I had to love myself for my effort and that I had to love myself because I knew that in my heart, I was trying my best to be my best. And that's all it took. And once I was able to believe in that, then I could put my feet, my foot on that first rung and then move my foot up to the second rung and then sturdy myself and start to create a pathway to a new life, a new beginning. Because during all that pain, 
you know, you go through divorce, you think, okay, new beginning. And it's like, for me, no. I mean, I remember being divorced, having panic attacks, um, not being able to sleep, waking up at random times at night, just feeling like my life is over. And it's like, bro, get some sleep. <laughs> like, she's living her life. Go live yours. And so I um, <laughs> I like to uh, to tell people that when you, f- when you finally fall, when you finally fall, when you're, because usually it's a few steps and you're still doing dumb stuff, but when you finally fall, you have to take that moment and you have to really go through your grief. You have to cry. You got to let it out. You got to, you know, go through those stages where maybe you need to do some laundry and then cry for 15 minutes. It was one of the best things that was told to me. Go clean something. And then if you need to cry, cry for 15 minutes. After 15 minutes, stop go clean again and then work it down to 14, 13, 12, 11. And then you get it down to a minute and now you're not crying anymore. It's a very beautiful thing. And so that was where this mantra kind of came from. Pain is not your story. It comes from falling. And when we, when we, when we fall, we feel alone and we do this thing where we push everyone away. For me, the reason why I push everyone away, because it's the inventory check. If I don't have to inventory your goods, if I don't have to worry about your feelings or your emotions, then I can start to process mine. Because when bad things happen to you, people feel bad for you. And then you have to carry their weight. I call it the cancer patient syndrome. I'm going to give you an example. Just so if this, if you ever want to help someone, you don't do this. <laughs> I have, I have cancer. Oh no, you have cancer? Oh man, I am so sorry to hear that. But you know what? My mom had cancer and she had breast cancer and she had to have a double mastectomy and it was so horrible and we cried. But you know what? You're going to be okay. And what you're not seeing when you tell somebody a horrific story like that is if they're not showing it in their face, their shock and disbelief of what you're telling them, in their mind, they're losing their mind. There are explosions going off. Because they're like, oh my God, like this could be my life. I could lose. I could, I could die. And what I mean is, is when bad things happen, as a friend, you have to listen to understand. You can't listen to reply. People do it all the time. Just listen to understand. Be there for the person. Let the person cry. Let them have a shoulder. Tell them a funny joke. But you don't have to solve their problems. And I think that the, as friends, as family, we tend to want to solve people's problems. And we can't always solve their problems. We just can't. It's just not what we can do. And so we have to learn as people how not to be like that. We just have to to push ourselves into a space to where we learn to, to understand someone and we just, we take time before we reply. So you know, some of the things I kind of wrote just to, just to give me, you know, like a breakdown of of questions is like, what was the toughest thing that you faced? I spoke about it. Divorce um, was one of the the toughest things because this was what I wanted. I am an, I'm, I'm a simple guy. I've had two girlfriends in my life. I married one of them. Um, I look for long lasting relationships. It's the reason why I don't even try anymore. I want to find somebody that I can love their soul and I don't care about, you know, we, you physically are attracted to people, but 
you want to connect to somebody. And once I connect with your soul, like that's it. And it was very tough for me because my ex-wife, she stopped believing in me as I, you know, in the middle of, for you music nerds, a day crescendo, like I'm, I'm ramping down, but right after that day crescendo is coming another crescendo. Like I'm about to go right back up and shoot back up to the moon. And so that was hard for me because it was like, in my life, um, I had a lot of people count me out, tell me I wasn't going to do it. And I always could, um, could show them. I always had this energy, this angry, like, you told me I'm trash. Let me show you that I'm not trash. And I had this energy. But the problem was the day that I, my son was born and he was put in my arms, I call it this flame. The flame was brought to an ember. And then I couldn't generate the same energy from those embers as I did that full roaring flame. I just couldn't. I no longer could tell you you're trash and I'm going to show you or mentally do it. I no longer cared what anyone thought about me. And so I needed, I felt like I needed that energy to push me through my divorce because I was struggling. And what I realized is I had to let it go. I'm going to say that again because a lot of times people don't realize I had to let it go. It was it was what he was telling me. Pain is not your story. You are not alone. You're just lonely. And, and that mattered. That mattered more than everything. You know, so remembering that pain doesn't define you. Remembering that it's not yours to care. You got to break from that place. You got to move onward, upward. It's the only way. Without it, you're just done. How did I get through it? creating a, like listening to what our father said, creating this mantra, creating a routine. Honestly, I would write. That's when I really started back into writing heavy. I was writing poetry. I wasn't showing the world yet. Cause I didn't show the world until 2017. Um, you know, this happened 20, by 2015, I was in, you know, full peak depression and losing my freaking mind. So it wasn't two years later until I was actually showing off my poetry. Um, who did I lean on? That that is the that's the best question for here. Um, don't be me. <laughs> I didn't lean on anyone. That was the most dangerous thing about all of that. I didn't lean on anyone. It wasn't until years later, around seventeen, where I went to therapy about it. I moseyed through. I didn't want to be a burden to anyone. And one of the things that I still struggle with as a person is understanding the value my value within a friendship. I see myself It's this, they call it the spotlight effect. Like when you believe everyone's looking at you, well, I put that in reverse. My spotlight effect is this. I believe that in my life, the people who I call friends or that are my friends, I help them from time to time. I'm an encourager from at, from time to time. I'm a therapist from time to time. I'm just a listener. There are many roles that I get to play, but the true friend where I get to be vulnerable, it's not a place that I understand or I believe because I grew up in a family dynamic where you couldn't be weak, where you can't depend on people because if you did, then you are a bother. So I didn't lean on anyone. And it was if the, if if we talk about regrets like I did in the New Year's episode, um, the, the, the review um, for 2020, that would be the regret. I wish that I would have said some, I wish I would have leaned on people. I wish I would have told people because years later when I got to work 
when I worked for Samsung, when I got to work with my teammate Bradshaw, there were unspoken things that we had to go through because I didn't turn to him in moments where I was really struggling. And I remember there was a trip, we were coming back from Atlanta and, and we, we drove and we were talking and I remember saying to him, you know, we, we were talking about his marriage and he was just talking about like, man, like, I'm sorry it didn't work out for you. Like, but he said, I just wish that you could have talked to me about it. I hate that you went through that alone. And I said, you know, it's a regret for me. I actually got really teary out. I said, I'm, I'm sorry. It's, it's an autopilot mode in my life that when people do really bad things to me, I just compartmentalize and I push on. I didn't talk to you about it because it's my life. It's my problem. Why would you want to hear it? And he said, we're friends. I want to hear all your problems. I want to hear all your successes. And that really stuck with me because um, I don't look at friendship like that. I don't. I look at friendship as that it's a service. It's a service type of thing. I'm here. I'm, I'm providing a service to you, and that's what I'm good for. I never... I never saw it as more than that. And I'm, I'm learning to, to see it as more than that. So um, where do you look to cope? Uh, <laughs> coping can be dangerous for many different things. I, I, you know, I like the game. I like the game. Um, I love sunrises. I love sunsets. I love to write. Those are the mannerisms of which I cope. But the truth is what I learned about um, my own demons is if I can give someone flowers, it releases me. So kind of like what I talked about in the episode about uh, releasing my debts, I like to just straight up shoot somebody between the eyes and just be like, look, this is the problem. This is what it is. Boom. Bada bing, bada boom. And just move on. Because if, if I can do that, it's just a lot easier for me to get through things than it is not. You know, it's just the truth. It's just that much easier if I can tell a person how I feel. And I think I struggle with it because a lot of times in my life I was silenced. I was told to be quiet. And that was a struggle for me. And so when I became an adult, where when I became 18, my mission was just a litter rip, like, raw, raw. <laughs> and I, I didn't. I was just working and making money. And I dealt with a few conflicts in which I let it rip. And then the people that I expected to have my back and my family didn't like, I, like, I'll just give it to you. My mom, like my mom told us always to respect your elders and be quiet. And let rest of my grandmother, her birthday is the end of this month. She, she, um, she died last year, but there were just issues I needed to talk about. And because I lived in a family where you couldn't bring anything to the table and talk about it, I built up this tension and this anger. And I learned that I couldn't speak up for myself. So for 18 years, that's, that's how I lived. So I learned how to compartmentalize my anger and my disappointment to the point where I learned to live in disappointment. I learned to live in cynicism. And I, 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 if you give me a disappointing thing, I can handle it better than most people because I understand how to live with disappointment because I understand that human beings are a disappointment. Now, before I finish that, I won't. Human beings aren't a disappointment, but human beings disappoint a lot. They disappoint very well. And um, it just, it's tough when you expect people 
to be a hundred percent, even if it costs them at being a hundred percent. That's how that's how I was taught. I was taught if I told you that I'm gonna be there on Thursday and my tire blew out and my car wouldn't start, then I put boots on and I walk my butt to where you're at because I honor my word. And it was hard growing up and then going into the real world and realizing that a lot of people, most people don't live by that. And if you don't pay attention to the people you allow around you, it will cause you very much excruciating pain. I had to learn that. I had to learn that. So that is, <laughs> that's, that's, um, that was, it, it was tough. And so I had to learn how to move. I had to learn how to maneuver. And it caused me not to speak. There were a lot of times where people were doing really dumb things, just didn't talk about it, didn't speak. I just moved on. I focused on work and making money. And as long as I could do that, I would be fine. And I was. And that's that's kind of what I would do. If I was to say, what was my why? Like, what is, what's my why here? Um, for the longest time, I thought it was my son. And I look as his ninth birthday approaches next month. And I'm halfway to the finish line with him. So I um I don't know. It's not him. My why is me trying to travel, trying to do things, trying to find happiness. That's what I want. I want to be happy before I should perish, truly happy. Um, and I've searched for it for quite some time. I've searched for it monetary-wise. I've searched for it through love. And I've learned with both of them, neither one of them ended up giving me what I wanted. I have to be happy in my existence. And that is being unspoken. That's doing what I'm doing right now by recording this when only maybe two people listen to it. <laughs> It's not about the result. It's about the effort. That is my why. So we have come into another close. <laughs> we have brought you to your call to a close. So today, you know, it was it, we we talked about you know, I mean, we started with thinking out loud. We started with uh, <laughs> the capital unrest, but we took you through positivity wall too. And really the, the thought is, you know, pain is not your story. And what I want to leave with all of you in this close is you're going to go through tough things. You're going to experience loss. But if, if you take it from, from my experience, um, you're not alone. So don't be alone. If you need to lean, if you need to be weak, be weak. Be weak with those people you love, that you trust, that will be there for you, that will guard you and guard your heart. It's okay to feel sad. It's okay to feel lost. You have people who care about you who are in your corner. If you don't, wherever you are in the world, if you listen to this, send me a message. I'll talk to you. <laughs> I love to talk to people. It makes me feel good to talk to people because I spent a lot of my life in my room reading books, not talking to people. <laughs> and that was the first 18 years of my life for the most part. So remember, um, you know, I like to do this in these episodes. You're going to see me do what is your why, because you need to identify why 
you are doing what you're doing. Because if you don't know why you're doing what you're doing, you're just doing what you're doing to just be doing it. That's a lot of do's. But my point is, we must know why we're doing something. Because if you know why you're doing it, then you know who you are, what you're doing, where you're going, and when you should be there. So very, very tough. <laughs> like I said, a lot of these, a lot of these after the first one, they get really, they get really deep. But I just wanted to kind of give you some of the perspective from, from my life. Very thankful um, to be doing this. And I'm, I'm excited to see all, I'm excited to write this series and get it up because ultimately I have some plans for it on my poetry page. Like this episode, it'll be one of the first ones where I'll take a clip from this, pop it into Instagram, and then I'll actually um, create the, create a post for it as well. So I'm excited. Um, I hope that you love these positivity walls as much as they mean to me on my positivity wall, because they keep me centered. They keep me reminded when I have really tough days that there's one of these mantras on this wall that'll take me through it. I hope that every one of you have a wonderful day. And, um, you know, to take it back to the first one, uh, if, if we're to leave you with something, you are amazing, you are beautiful, and you are loved. She knows it. <laughs>